Hi, and welcome to another episode of Take 15 with CFA Institute. I'm Ron Rimkus, and today we're joined by Gary Brinson, uh, formerly of Brinson Partners. Gary, thanks for joining us. Um, Gary, we, we all know that we're living in a low interest rate environment that's been engineered by the United States Federal Reserve. Um, what impact is the prolonged low rate environment having on plan sponsors, pension funds, uh, endowments and foundations and the like? Well, Ron, it, it's a peculiar time. I, in, in all of my 40 years in the investment business, I never thought I would be sitting here talking to someone and we'd observe that real interest rates, use the five-year Treasury inflation-protected bond as an example, mm -hmm. is a negative interest rate of 1.3%, meaning that if somebody lends their money to the government, instead of the government paying them interest, they're paying the government interest. <laughs> Never thought I'd see that. That's uh, extraordinary. It is. It, it's an extraordinary time. And I think further to that, that, that investors and individuals can observe that uh, Treasury inflation protected bond market as a very visible way of seeing just the magnitude of what the artificiality of interest rates has occasioned by the Fed policies. This is a peculiar moment from, from that sense in, in that the uh, Federal Reserve and central banks around the world, but, but particularly the Federal Reserve, believe that by fostering this artificial interest rate environment that they're going to accrue some better benefit to society overall. The economist Frederick Hyatt called that fatal conceit, right. where he said that basically when a few people act in a way that is different than the actions that would take place in a free and open market with many participants, you can get strange and unknown consequences sort of the law of unintended consequences might be at work here. So the actions by the Fed in a way are largely a tax or a penalty on savers. It, it forces savers and individuals who have accumulated funds such as endowments, foundations, and pension funds, it forces them to accept a lower rate of return than would otherwise be the case. The, the term for that is, is financial repression, and, and financial repression has consequences for those savers and for society, I think, as a whole. We don't know exactly how this will play out, but we do know that the penalties to those types of investors and, and pension funds in particular kind of get a double-barreled effect from this. On, on the one hand, pension funds like endowments and foundations have their rate of return going forward subdued or constrained by these policies. But pension funds get a double hit because the present value of their liabilities is governed by the level of interest rates. And when interest rates are very low, the present value of those liabilities goes up 
and the net result of those two double-barreled impacts on pension funds are soaring unfunded liabilities. Wow. Um, so that uh, leads me right into my next question, which is uh, there is a lot of talk in the financial media about a looming crisis among uh, state and municipal um, governments. And obviously it's being exacerbated by this low rate environment with financial uh, repression. How would you characterize uh, the crisis and the, the state of affairs uh, among states and municipalities right now? That's really a, a substantive issue that I think is going to take a long time to play out in, in the world we're in. And it will differ across states and municipalities because the level of the problems and the scope of the crisis differs. But I think it is fair to say that for a number of these states and municipalities, there looms dark clouds either on the horizon immediately or on the near horizon. That this largely results from past behavior, and this goes way back before the financial crisis, of basically not funding their liability structures. So we had an underfunding problem that was developing in these states and municipalities going back literally decades. That now is being exacerbated and, and we're at a, a tipping point or a cliff where we can't kick that can down the road any longer. And for a number of these uh, state and municipal areas, they're going to have to find solutions, none of which are going to be comfortable. Right, and so uh, in a lot of these um, uh, states and municipalities, there's an ever greater um, pressure for more taxation on the citizens, and yet some of these same um, uh, areas are seeing an exodus of citizens from those, from the, yes. from, so, so their tax base is shrinking, at the same time their need for taxation is increasing. Yes. Now it's a pickle, right? So, so how do they get out of that? Well, there are no easy choices. They're all going to be difficult. They're all going to be painful. Taxation in and of itself, the tax burden is not the solution. It's going to have to be a combined effort that will, I think, ultimately have to result in a restructuring and a rebalancing of these promised benefits in defined benefit plans without some kind of reconstitution or partial break of that pension promise, I don't see any way out of this for the municipalities because as you correctly suggest, if you raise the tax burden too high and try to solve the problem exclusively in that means, people will just migrate into other jurisdictions where the tax, the onerous nature of the taxes is not as great. And we already see that where some states are competing against other states for that pool of labor. So how can uh, pension plans and pension plan managers and, and fund managers deal with, with these circumstances? Uh, how can they prepare their portfolios to avoid some of the imminent harm that appears to be in the way? Back in the early 1980s, when interest rates were 13 or 14 percent on government bonds, Nobody wanted to own those bonds because they'd been beaten up for the last 25 years with negative returns from owning long-term bonds and with cash money market instruments at 15 or 16 percent, everybody wanted to own short-term high interest rate returns. 
Well, what we learned from that period of history, of course, is that owning long-term bonds would have been very profitable and rolling over short-term cash, not so attractive. Right. Today, we're in, I think, the mirror image of that environment. Today, nobody wants to own short-term cash equivalents. The yield is effectively zero. So they're grudgingly investing in longer duration bond instruments and other assets to try to pick up some incremental return. The problem with that strategy could, as I suggest, be just what happened in the 1980s, only this time it works the other way. Interest rates go up, long duration assets do poorly, and it turns out that shorter term assets actually deliver to investors a better rate of return. We'll have to see how all this unfolds, but I'm very worried about the flow of funds that I see taking place into longer duration assets simply as a function of this financial repression policy that the Federal Reserve is pursuing. Now let's turn to uh, the fiscal budget situation in many state and uh, federal governments, uh, particularly the United States. Um, with running large budget deficits um, at both levels, um, this game obviously can't go on forever. How do you see um, that situation uh, changing as we move forward? And where do you think um, the, uh, the flexibility uh, to, to solve some of these problems will arise? W will there be the political willpower, for instance, to make some of the tough choices that need to be made? Experience would suggest that political willpower only comes about through a crisis. And I suspect, although I would hope it would not happen this way, but I suspect what will happen is we'll see a crisis probably at both the federal and state and local levels at various points in time that will then finally get the politicians to come to grips with the difficult choices that they have to face to solve these issues. We're getting kind of a preview of this in Europe right now, the situation in Greece, what's going on in Spain. Those are sort of like going to a movie and seeing a preview of what's going to unfold as we move through the rest of this decade in the United States. As I suggested earlier, there are only difficult choices. It's just going to be a question of who feels the pain or is forced to feel the pain and it's going to have to be on both the tax and the expenditure side. These benefit promises, whether we're talking the federal level of Social Security and Medicare, or we're talking the state level, and the promises that were made over, stretching back over decades of time, those promises simply can't be kept because there is no financial wherewithal to keep them. So, um as, as you think about how this all unfolds, uh, how would you characterize uh, the timing of it? How much time do we have before uh, something changes, before we cross the event horizon? It'll, it'll depend on, in the uh, state and municipal sense, it'll, it'll depend on those individual jurisdictions, which are complicated further by all kinds of legal matters. Different states, different municipalities have different legal remedies that they can try to utilize in attacking this problem. But I would suggest that we're on the immediate horizon now, but we probably won't see the full force of the wave until we get out another two, three, five years. I don't see it being escaped. I, it's just a question of how fast it unfolds and whether 
policy responses can take place soon enough to mitigate what then would become a long-term problem. I, I don't see the policy prescriptions today dealing adequately with the problems that we face. The, the Fed, for example, in terms of what it's doing with the artificiality of interest rates is akin to giving an alcoholic more to drink simply to put off the inevitable headache. Well, uh, that's uh, very well said, and uh, thank you so much for joining us again. And uh, thank you for joining us, and as always, you can find more of our content on our content library at cfainstitute.org. Copyright 2012 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.